This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Open your Bibles with me to the Old Testament. Second book of the Bible, Exodus. Please turn with me to chapter 19. Our text will actually be in 20, but I'm going to read for context. So Exodus 19. If you don't have a copy of the Scriptures, if you'll raise your hand, leave them up for just a minute. The ushers will give you a free copy of the Bible. I want you to be able to follow along today as we look at the Ten Commandments, specifically the Ninth Commandment. The Ten Commandments, and in particular, the Ninth Commandment. We're going to read for context just the Israelites on Mount Sinai receiving God's law. Exodus 19, verse 1. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. Chapter 19, verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. And then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, First commandment, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. There are seven commands, and our text is verse 16, the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The tenth commandment for next week, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Verse 18, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, 
But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Oh, Lord, unite our heart this morning to fear your name. Let us fear you, Lord. Test us with your law. And let us fear you so that we will not sin against you. I pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the background for the author of Hebrews in the New Testament. His comments where he says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He says, our God in the New Testament is a consuming fire. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. The Bible doesn't teach about a wrathful, unloving God on Mount Sinai in the Old Testament and a gentle, forgiving God in the New Testament. He's a consuming fire in both. He's a redeeming Savior in both. I am the Lord, your God. That is such good news. I'm the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed you out of the house of slavery. Today's text, the ninth word. That's why it's called the, the Ten Commandments, it's called the Decalogue. Ten words. The ninth word or the ninth commandment is about truth. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Literally, you shall not answer against your neighbor as a false witness. It's a relevant text for us. We live in a culture that does not value truth doesn't know the truth. So it, it's no surprise that telling the truth is not valued in America today. God's people need this command. We, we need the ninth commandment, maybe more than ever in the history of the church. I grew up with Walter Cronkite. He was a broadcast journalist who served as anchorman for the CBS Evening News from 1962, when I was three and Steve Harrison was 70, I think. Until I was 21. From the time I was three to 21, Walter Cronkite was the anchorman for the CBS Evening News. There were only three networks, and CBS was dominant. Walter Cronkite was important, and each weekday, he would sign off for the Evening News by saying, do you remember? Some of you do, and that's the way it is 
August 14, 1968, or whatever year you choose. And he was telling the truth. That's the way it is. It was the truth. He was called the most trusted man in America because an opinion poll was taken and he was named the most trusted man in America. When he said, and that's the way it is, that's the way it was. Wouldn't that be nice? He told the truth. Walter Cronkite was an ethical journalist. There's, there's an iconic video of him reporting the death of President Kennedy, where he takes off his glasses in tears. He was moved emotionally. He wasn't faking. He wasn't acting. He once said, in seeking the truth, you have to get both sides of the story. In seeking the truth, you have to get both sides of the story. If you don't get both sides, you won't have the truth. My kingdom for a journalist that believed that. <laughs> Truthful journalism is it's critical for a nation like ours. It makes a difference. And, and our, our nation, I think, is, is experiencing the effect of, of a lack of truth in journalism. Loss of somebody telling us the truth. They no longer tell us the way things really are. It's about spin. And spin is not the truth. Most trusted people in America today are not journalists. The point is that false witnesses harm us. The ninth commandment, like all the commandments, is for our good. If, if God's people obey this command, and they must, they will be, we will be the salt of the earth, we'll be the light of the world. So let's Let's look closely this morning at the ninth commandment. Verse 16, chapter 20. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Our text is about justice. It's about telling the truth when your neighbor is accused of a crime or wrongdoing. Why, why is telling the truth so important? Well, first of all, it's God's nature to tell the truth. God tells the truth. He hates falsehood. 1 Samuel 15, the glory of Israel, God will not lie. He is not a man that he should lie. Romans 3, Paul said, let God be true, though everyone else is a liar. Hebrews 6, it is impossible for God to lie. We are like God when we tell the truth. And what's, what's the nature of the devil? He's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. And that's captured in Proverbs 6. 
There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Look for lying. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies is an abomination to the Lord and one who sows discord among brothers. That's what a lying tongue leads to, what a false witness leads to, disunity. God hates lying. He hates a false witness. Lying harms people made in God's image. God is not a liar. So we must be truth tellers. We're we're not to harm anybody's reputation. We're not to listen to false reports or slander. We must not injure our neighbor with lies. We should help each other tell the truth. Remember that these commandments... They, were, they, were, they had a special place in the nation of Israel. There, there are going to be many more laws in the Old Testament after this book. But these were foundational. The, the rest of the chapters now, will, you'll, you'll begin to shift to application of these principles. These, these first ten are foundational. You go down to chapter 21, the author is, is applying the ninth commandment In verse 1, where he writes, You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. Again, in chapter 23, keep far from a false charge. The ninth commandment is about serving our neighbor by telling the truth. The Ten Commandments, the ten words were like the Constitution. For the nation of Israel. And then what follows is all the specifics, the regulations, the details. Jewish tradition said there were 613 laws after the Ten Commandments. And they could all be summarized in the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said they could be summarized by two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to see, we have an upcoming series this fall on the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to see that that Jesus transforms the Ten Commandments, but He never meant to abolish them. They, They establish rules for community. Rules for the community of God's people. They apply to us. One striking feature of the concluding words here, which is why I read them in the Ten Commandments, is the frequent use of the word neighbor. It occurs four times in verses 16 and 17. And the mention of neighbor puts the focus of this command, the Ninth Commandment, on the community, on relationships. It's It's not just a general virtue. It's a necessity to tell the truth. If you want to have unity among people, among a corporate people, you need to tell the truth. 
it, it's one of the clearest ways that we love our neighbors is telling the truth. It, it concerns, this commandment concerns our integrity as an individual, our character. It, it relates to giving testimony in a court against a neighbor. It's brief, like the sixth, seventh, and eighth commandment. But it's critical. It's a legal situation. Someone is required to give evidence concerning a neighbor who is on trial. They answer. They give testimony. It's against the person. And so the law says, the command is, don't give false testimony. You shall not be a false witness against your neighbor. It, the emphasis is on the person that's testifying. It's about their character. The Old Testament has much to say about false witnesses. They're called lying witnesses. A, a witness without a good cause, a worthless or crooked witness, a malicious witness. All of these are used about someone who gives a harmful testimony against their neighbor. It emphasizes how serious this was in the nation. You, you may have always thought of this commandment as just simply meaning thou shalt not lie. And that is the essence of the command, but it's about a courtroom. Witnesses were everything in the ancient world. Think about it. They had no cameras. They didn't have any audio recordings. They didn't have fingerprints. They didn't have DNA analysis. If they were going to have justice, they had to have a witness. They had to have an eyewitness. Two witnesses made the outcome clear. Deuteronomy 17. On the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Paul uses this in 1 Timothy in the New Testament in chapter 5 about pastors and elders. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. He wanted to protect church leaders from false witnesses. The ninth commandment, like, like some of the other commandments, gives us the worst example, the worst example of the sin of lying. The worst lie is to bear false witness in a court of law. Because your lie can cause someone to lose their life. God cares about justice. We're not to murder because each person is made in his image. We're not to steal because he cares about private property. And we're not to lie against someone because lies hurt people. He cares about verbal justice. This, this command is meant to protect someone's reputation. Desmond Haller, Alexander in his commentary says, In the very place where truthfulness is a vital necessity for justice to be administered appropriately, a false witness is especially odious. 
is all the more so since the testimony of witnesses would have provided the main basis of any litigation. Ancient courts couldn't avail of scientific forensic evidence, evidence related to a crime. They didn't have that. Zach read from the Heidelberg Catechism earlier. It gives this summary of how we should apply the ninth commandment. That I, here's the answer to the question. That I never give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's word. Nor gossip or slander. Nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. <clears throat> Rather, in court and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are the very devices the devil uses. And they would, listen, call down on me God's intense wrath. I should love the truth, speak it candidly and openly acknowledge it, and I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Do you, do you believe being a false witness calls down on you God's intense wrath today? One of the reasons for studying the commands is to cultivate the fear of the Lord. The ninth commandment forbids gossip and slander. Gossip is passing along a report, a rumor that can't be substantiated. It includes passing along a true report when it isn't necessary. We love secrets, don't we? It's easy to connect with people relationally over a secret. It's a temptation. We love to gossip. And we, we especially love bad secrets, juicy secrets. John Calvin, the reformer, said, everyone is prone to sift through and uncover the vices of others. You may remember recently Mark Driscoll. Uh, he was a pastor in Oregon, helped start a group of churches and was forced out of ministry and the church he pastored closed. And there was a podcast in the last couple of years that, that went viral. Everybody was listening to it. I never heard it. Never listened to it. It's, it's hard to listen to in light of the ninth commandment. I heard one pastor on another pa podcast say, you know, Mark Driscoll's alive. He's actually pastoring a church. And we're talking about him on a podcast with thousands of other people. It's wrong to gossip. It's wrong to listen to gossip. You're violating the ninth commandment when you do so. Now, if you listen to the podcast, that's not my point. You and thousands of others, the majority of this church probably listened to the podcast. I didn't because I didn't know how to get to it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I didn't have any desire to listen to it. But Proverbs 18 says, The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. 
We, we delight in a certain poisoned sweetness in these kinds of things. It explains the popularity of that podcast. The, the ninth commandment is about loving your neighbor as yourself. Slander goes further than gossip, doesn't it? It's deliberately passing along what is false. Too often we do this. We hear a report that isn't substantiated. We don't know. And it's a false report. Jesus considered it a serious sin. Matthew 15. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Slander includes assuming the worst possible motives for other people's intentions. Learn to say, I want to believe the best. Refusing to listen to a bad report. Give the person the benefit of the doubt. In the United States justice system, you are considered innocent until you're proven guilty. This is a biblical concept. Proverbs 18, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. If you want justice, if you want the truth, you have to hear all the facts. The most trusted man in America, Walter Cronkite, was right. In seeking truth, you have to get both sides of the story. If I'm on trial, what does my attorney present to the jury for me to be acquitted? Nothing. According to the law, I am presumed innocent until proven guilty. The prosecution has the burden of proof. They have to prove that I am guilty. Kevin DeYoung writes in his book on the Ten Commandments, on the Ninth Commandment, he's writing, this is a huge challenge in our day of social media and trial by Twitter. The pattern is predictable. Some serious allegation is made against some person of notoriety or infamy, maybe a pastor, a doctor, a politician. Sometimes the charge seems credible. Other times it seems like speculation and gossip. Either way, across the spectrum, Trial by Twitter will ensue and people demand that others take a side and jump into the fray. And if you don't, you're likely to be accused yourself. If the allegations are proven false or misleading, it's often too late to save the reputation of the accused. We must not condemn anyone without a hearing or without just cause. The ninth commandment means we have to do whatever we can to protect our neighbor's good name. Proverbs 22, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. It's a good name. If we, if we lose our home, if we lose our car, if we lose our money, people often will rally around us and have compassion and help us. But if you lose your good name, 
Nobody wants to touch you. Again, to young, a good name can take a lifetime to build and a single afternoon to lose. Take just a few malicious people on the internet and scores of other people who believe it. And I would add cowards. And you're done. So understandably, the Old Testament places an emphasis on witnesses giving accurate information. False witnesses in the Old Testament received the same punishment that the accused would have received had they been guilty. That's what God's justice looks like. This this requirement to be a truthful witness does exemplify the need to be truthful in any context. It extends to all lying. Do not lie. Tell the truth. The commandment comes from God. He, He does not lie. We are His people. We are made in His image. Don't Lie. Tell the truth. You don't have to teach anyone to lie, do you? Even my most conscientious kid. And there wasn't a lot of competition for that award in my home. Even my most conscientious kid lied. I will never forget his Grueling confession. Years after the lie. He was an emotional mess. He had concealed his lie. It had weighed on his conscience. And and telling me his dad was devastating. His conscience was working unlike his siblings. It bothered him that he lied. The other kids... We found out they were all a pack of liars after they grew up and told us all the lies they told us. And they thought it was funny. (laughs) But not that kid. But we all lie. Teach your kids the ninth commandment. Take advantage of this series on, on the law and teach your kids. Encourage the fear of the the Lord. Train their conscience so that they weep when they lie and when they tell you about it. Our text is about justice. It may seem strange that this ninth command would focus on the legal system and the damage inflicted by false witnesses. But, it, but it's really a critical component of community. It's a critical component of any nation. Justice, legal system. Scholars have, have noticed in the Old Testament a, a pattern. In the first nine books of the Hebrew Bible, which is in a different order than the English Bible, each of the books highlights one of the Ten Commandments through some case of disobedience. So, 1 Kings has a case 
that's an example of breaking this ninth commandment. You'll be familiar with it. It's the account of Ahab, the king of Israel, and his wife, Jezebel, conspiring to take Naboth's vineyard. Chapter 21, 1 Kings. Now Naboth the, the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near my house and I'll give you a better vineyard for it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. Naboth refused to turn over his vineyard. So Ahab went home depressed. His wife Jezebel the enabler said to him, do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So they devised a plan. They had a feast. Naboth was a featured guest. When the moment came, there was a man on his left, a man on his right, and they testified, Naboth cursed God and the king, two false witnesses. Naboth was put to death immediately. But, remember the end result, the consequences? Ahab and Jezebel were put to death by the Lord himself. It was an extreme violation of the ninth commandment, and it resulted in death. There is a, there is a danger in the, with the commands. When we look at the commands, we can end up getting all law and no gospel. We can make Christianity a religion of good instructions. Instructions about holy living, and we can forget the good news. The law does convict this morning. The law does condemn lying. And the gospel is what gives grace and forgiveness. But there isn't something unchristian about encouraging obedience to God's command. And this is why we've called this series the good news of law. God's commands are not ungracious. There is grace in getting law this morning. It's good. Law leads us to the gospel. We see God's standards. We see our sin. And then we see our need for a savior. It, it's right to say that the gospel leads to, to law. That's what happened in chapter 20. That's why I read the first three verses. The Lord says, I delivered you. And then he gives commands. Grace leads to law. We see it in the New Testament in the book of Romans. Paul just preaches the gospel for 11 chapters. And then chapters 12 through 16 are filled with imperatives. The good news of the, the gospel leads to gracious instructions for obeying God. I hope right now your heart is filled with joy. And there, there's a sense where I want to obey the Lord. These two things aren't mutually exclusive. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. We want to be like the psalmist and delight in the law of God. C.S. Lewis, the law is good news because it's like finding solid ground after bushwhacking through mud and muck and mire. There's this relief. You finally hit something solid. 
Doesn't it feel that way as we study the Ten Commandments? There's something we can trust, something we can count on in the midst of a culture that doesn't know the truth. Can you imagine what life would be like in this fallen world if people obeyed the Ninth Commandment? It wouldn't be bad. The law is not an ugly thing. That's why Paul said it's good, it's righteous, it's holy. Don't be a false witness. Remember, Revelation 1, Jesus is the faithful witness. He's the truth. We're the accused, and he is not a false witness. He is so much more than a true witness. He is our advocate. The truth is that all of us who call out to him are counted innocent. And he's a faithful witness. Here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. What was happening upon the cross was that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was enduring in his own holy body the penalty prescribed by the holy law of God for the sin of man. The law condemns sin. The condemnation that it pronounces is death. The wages of sin is death. The law pronounces that death must pass upon all who have sinned against God and broken his holy law. Christ says, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. One of the ways in which the law has to be fulfilled is that its punishment of sin must be carried out. This punishment is death, and that is why he died. Christ is fulfilling the law on the cross. And unless you interpret the cross and Christ's death upon it in strict terms of the fulfilling of the law, you have not the scriptural view of the death upon the cross. So no condemnation for us this morning who have trusted in Christ for our salvation. Surely we have broken the ninth commandment. Surely we have lied. Surely we've participated in gossip and slander and and been false witnesses. Surely we have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But there has been a death upon the cross. And we interpret that death as being counted as ours. Where the wrath of God has been poured out. No condemnation believer this morning. We can look at the law of God. And delight in it. Because there is now no condemnation for those who are united to Christ by faith. Trust in him. We're preaching the gospel to ourselves this morning. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I do hope the law of God has encouraged the fear of God in your hearts. And I invite you to come to Christ. For salvation, for forgiveness, for transformation. Today's a, a Sunday we set aside for ministry time at the end of the meeting. 
second Sunday of the month. We have prayer teams. They're going to be with the pastors of the church. We're going to, I'd like to invite you guys to come to the front now and ask the worship team to come. Everybody else, please stand. And while we sing, we want to invite you to come. If you're not a believer, you'd like to come to Christ, please come and let these folks pray with you. But any and everyone is invited to come this morning. We want to pray for you. We want to petition the Lord for whatever's burdening you this morning. We trust the Lord each and every Sunday that we set aside this time. Every Sunday, the, the Spirit of God is ministering to people. But this Sunday, when we have this time of prayer, it's always significant. So please, don't hesitate, but come to the front. Let us pray for you. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we want to honor you. We want to exalt you. We pray for your grace. Lord, transform us as individuals. As sinners, we come to you. And we need to be forgiven and transformed. We want to be like Christ. May we be the people of God. May we be the salt of the earth. May we be a city set on a hill proclaiming your truth with integrity. We ask that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.